Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pipe It Up podcast. We got an action-packed episode for you guys today on some new equipment, as you can probably already tell. Uh, I'm not going to lie, I think I sound pretty darn good, so this is pretty cool. Uh, but Mallard's Cobra's recap, as well as we're going to break down and grade all eight teams, as now all eight franchises have played a series. Without further ado, this is the Pipe It Up podcast. Cue the intro. Today I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by my counterparts, Jack Agner and Daniel Schultz. Fellas, thanks for joining me once again. Hey, welcome, to, welcome to episode 99, fellas. It's been a long ride. We're almost we're almost to the triple digit mark. This is our last episode in double digits. Almost a century of episodes. Almost, almost at the century mark. That is unbelievable. Um, but let's, get, let's cut right to it. Not not too much nonsense today. We need to we need to fill with uh, a lot to talk about. Mallard's Cobras. What a series. Uploaded on Friday. I'm assuming everyone's already seen that. If you haven't already, please pause this and go check that series out. Jordan Robles makes his MLW debut, and the Mallards take a wild series by the final of two games to one. The Mallards won the first two. Cobras got the last game. Um, I feel like it's only appropriate if we just start with game one. Um, this has been probably the most talked about game and most criticized game uh, of this first slate. Um, we cut right to the chase in the third inning. The Cobras had a 2 nothing lead, and Brendan Baranowski at the time is throwing a shutout. He They're up 2-zip. He gets into, a, I believe, a first and second situation with, I want to say, one out, and he had just gotten out Ben Wilson, I believe, and it was going to bring up the Mallards top of the order with Robles and then followed by me. And uh, Drew Davis has a mound meeting, goes out there, talks to Barron. And um, to my surprise, as I'm there waiting on deck, Drew enters the game on the mound. He comes in cold. Not to mention, in warm-ups, I did not see Drew hit the zone once. I believe Drew came up empty on all five to ten of his warm-up pitches, comes into the game, proceeds to walk six straight batters, and... It might have even been more than that. I don't even know. I want to say it was six. The Mallards end up getting five runs, and they win it by a score of five to two after Drew's meltdown. Drew actually didn't record an out in that game. I'm not bashing Drew, just stating facts. Um, Sawyer Bean came in, rookie, for his first appearance. Looked phenomenal. That was the one bright spot there for the Cobras in the third inning. And uh, he shut the door, got him out of that bloody inning, and the Cobras did not score in the bottom of the third. So Dan... I'm going to go to you first as you were at the Meadows. What's going through your mind when you see them having the mound meeting and you see Drew coming into the game? Yeah, I had a lot of thoughts on that. And immediately when that happened, I don't know how um, familiar you guys are with it, but I thought of the 2020 World Series when Blake Snell got pulled. It was basically the same thing. Like in that situation, in my mind, it's a good it's good in theory. You know, I get what Drew was thinking, but you have to ride with Brandon there. Brandon was pitching an ace of a game. And like you said, Drew was not, you know, solid in warmups. I think like even after the first few, he should have realized, okay, it's not my day today, obviously. You know, Brandon's already pitched two innings. I should just stay with him. I don't see why Drew came in the game. You know, and obviously like things could have went differently. And we, you know, if he would have shut him down there, we would be talking about how good of a move it was and if we would be seeing that in the future. But I honestly uh, I just didn't think it was just that great of a move. Now, Jack, as a viewer, as a spectator, watching the video, like, what, how shocked were you? I I was pretty 
I mean, I wasn't shocked because I know Drew, but at the same time, it was like, you know, I, I didn't really like the decision for for a few different reasons. Um, and I'm sure Drew will listen to this or I don't know if he's coming on or whatnot later, but um, I I just like I literally in my notes watching the video had written down like how well Baron was pitching and it was like impressive to see how well he was doing. Obviously, last year he wasn't necessarily like, uh, you know, an ace by any means, but he was a solid pitcher. And I felt like this would have been a statement game to come out and win the first game, um, you know, really set the tone for the Cobras and, and their season as a bullpen. And it kind of just like killed momentum when Drew came in. Like Dan said, like I kind of know what he was thinking, but I think I like I like to, you know, if it was me, I'd like to think that I would just keep Baron in there, and I think he would have honestly got the job done. I kind of think, um, you know, tr- like just being transparent, you guys, you guys kind of stole one there. Um, no, you're not, you're not wrong. I mean, there are three inning wiffle ball games. The tides can change quick. The tides can change quick, whether it's a grand slam or a guy who walks a bunch of people in a row, um, whatever it may be. But I mean, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't looking good, you know. And in my head, I'm not a guy who gets you know my emotions don't really affect my gameplay too much. But of course, you have thoughts out there. Of course, you do. And my number one priority is let's find a way to win this game still. And and um, I'll comment on that in a moment. But yeah, when that game wrapped up, and I'm thinking, wow, it was two zip. It was kind of like, oh boy, same old Mallards can't score any runs. We're pitching decent. We're down. We're getting shut out type of thing. And I mean, I think that that's huge. For my team just look I don't even maybe we won't even make the playoffs who knows but if we do I'm just gonna look at that first game as such a confidence booster for me and my guys just because it's after a rough season um starting one to know is just a great feeling I don't know how else to really describe it besides it's a great feeling it's like okay we're in the win column again you know we had lost at one point last year we had lost 10 games in a row we lost 10 of our last 11 games of the year so to start one to know is huge we can't get ahead of ourselves, of course, because last year we were also 2-1. and one. We were 3-1, and one, to be in fact, before losing 10 straight. But getting that first one just felt awesome, and it did feel like we kind of stole one. You know, we were in position to lose that game. A couple comments that I want to make, um, and yeah, I'd love to get Drew's opinion on this as well. He just texted me. Let's see what he said. Um, oh, okay. He said he's going to be in soon. We'll get him in here. Um, but before he joins us, let me make my comments um, before he interrupts me. Number one... Um, <laughs> There's no, that wasn't me mean to Drew. I'm just saying like, I know, obviously, obviously, <laughs> obviously, if you're, if you make this move, you're going to want to comment on it, right? Of course. Yeah. You yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's um, going to address it. Yeah. So of course he's going to want to comment on it, but I will say a couple things. Number one, um, let's not act like if Baron stays in the game, the Cobras for sure win that ball game. You know, no. Robles was seeing him well. I was, you know, seeing him better. Um, we were getting on base. Robles had just gotten his first career hit. So I, we did have a rally going. Okay, that's one thing I want to comment because I think people are like, oh, Drew blew the game. But, like, we could have still won that one. And number two, I will say that, like Daniel mentioned, if Drew comes in and shuts the door and strikes out Robles and me, he looks like he has the biggest brain of all time. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. He unfortunately just didn't execute. And I think the one thing that um, should have maybe been considered on his end is, number one, like I said, his pitcher was throwing a shutout. And he's facing a rookie who, even though the rookie's showing promise, he is a rookie. He's not used to these MLW rules and whatnot. And um, number two, he didn't throw a lot of strikes in warm-ups. And in MLW, we don't have any hard rules saying, like, if you come into warm-up, you have to throw a pitch. You know what I mean? They could have aborted. So those are the two things I wanted to comment on. But um, Drew's waiting in the, in the waiting room here, so I'll, I'll get him in here. And uh, let's see what Mr. Davis has to say. Drew, thank you for joining us. Yeah. Drew, 
we all before I even let you in the meeting, I wanted us to all kind of get our thoughts out on game one. So we we've us three have already talked about it. You didn't hear our discussions, but let's just cut right to the chase. I'm not here to bash you, I'm not here to ridicule you, I'm not here to say you did the wrong thing, the right thing, whatever. I'm just here to get your I want to let you have the floor, let you voice what was going through your head and what was discussed prior to pulling Baranowski in the third inning of game one. Yeah. Um, so going into the series, we had already discussed that um, we wanted to do some sort of two pitcher um, play in the first game. Um, we didn't know what it was going to be uh, until we got to the field. We wanted to see who was pitching the best with the ball and stuff like that. And um, Baron was looking the best out of the three of us. So we put him in the start um, and then come around that third inning, even before the start of the third inning, Andy and I discussed, we were like, what do we want to do? Do we want to put Sawyer in? Do we want to keep Baron in? Do you want, do we want to put you in? And um, we kind of just stuck with Brendan because he hadn't done anything to alarm us at that point. So there's no point in taking him out. Um, and then after the third inning gets started, um, Robles got, I don't know, a walk or a base hit. Yeah. The first career hit laced a single in the left center. Yeah. Got a hit. I think he walked you next and then gotten out. And before he got that out, when I went out to the mound meeting, we had discussed, we said, when Robles comes up, we're going to take, we're going to go with me. I think, I think that's when that timeline happened. Um, but we were kind of just like, let's leave him in. For the, I think we said, let's leave him in for this next at-bat for Ben. Let's see if he gets Ben out. And then if he gets Ben out, we'll put Drew in for Jordan. Because we asked Sawyer, and Sawyer was like, you know, I don't think I'm ready yet. And I agree. Like, we didn't want to put Sawyer in his first, mm-hmm. like, his debut pitching appearance. Yeah, understandable. In a close, in a close game in the third inning. So, um, I think, like, it also doesn't help on camera because you can't see, like, all like, the full at-bats of, of stuff like that. So, like, Robles was fouling up pitches off Baron, like kind of left and right. Like to us, it all kind of seemed like he was going to get to Baron at some point. Mm -hmm. So when he got that out with Wilson um, and Jordan came to the plate, he was the game leading run. And so, um, you know, we, and again, this was like a team decision. I think a lot of people like had that misconstrued, but like we all talked about it. Me, Gus, Sean, Mm -hmm. Sawyer, uh, Brendan and Andy, um, Brendan was on page with it. Like he said to me, he's like, yeah, I totally get it. Um, might be good to, to, you know, give him a different look. And so, and like, he, he's the number one player, ready to player in the country. So you have to be careful with them for sure. Yeah. And so yeah. Um, we decided to put me in um, and the movement was there. Yeah. I think it was just the control. Um, you know, I wish I was hoping to execute, but yeah, I, I think people are fair, definitely fair to to criticize me on the play that I had. However, like I think the the overall decision to put me in like isn't that bad of a decision, especially when you have a hitter like Jordan up there. Um, even Brendan came up to me and said he came up to me one more time when I was warming up, and he I was like, "Hey, are you sure, man? Like, um, you know, I don't want you to think I don't have to, I don't trust you and stuff like that." He goes, "He was like, no, nah, man. He's like, don't listen to." what they're saying back there. Don't listen to what the fans are saying on the IG live. He was like, I trust you. Um, just go in there. And if you're going to do it, do it hundred percent. And I was like, you got it. He was like, just be confident. And so, mm-hmm. I um, mean, yeah, <clears throat> go ahead, Tom. I've drew, I've been there. I mean, you watched me last year. My ERA, I think was in the thirties last year. I pitched, I want to say a total of, 
um, three innings last year, and I may have only finished one. I don't even know if I did. I may have gotten mercy in every inning. I've been there. I've been having movement with walks. Um, we saw in this series I still somewhat struggled. I managed to keep the game in in uh, within reach, but um, it's not easy. It's not an easy sport. And I think you talked about how, like, you know, as you grow up and as you're um, as you change your routines, as you're out of baseball now, as you work out more and become stronger, just a lot changes. Your body changes, and it's hard. You really gotta, if you want to be elite, um, from my perspective, um, if you want to be elite and you're and you're not playing baseball, you really do gotta put in that time to keep your arm in shape, keep your body in shape. It's it's not easy. So yeah, like I said, I was I didn't invite you on here to come on here and make fun of your decision. I even said to Drew and uh, or to Jack and Daniel, um, like if Drew comes in and shuts the door there, he looks like a genius. Like it's a great move. It's just, you know, you didn't execute, and I think it's probably a wake-up call for you. I know Daniel last year had the same thing his first outing. Daniel come out, couldn't throw a strike yep. last year. So we've all been there, and um, I think fans of you know that, like, people that are really Cobra fans and know Drew knows what your intent was there, and they know that you're a guy who's not going to fold after an outing like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah Drew, yeah. I think uh, I liked what you said about, um, you know, like it was something you guys had discussed before the game. And this is like this is cool because this is why we have the this is why we have you on the on the podcast, you know, to like talk about this. The the people, the diehards who are listening will get to understand this. But like I respect the fact that you had a game plan going in to the game and you stuck with it like you didn't question it. And, you know, you stayed with the game plan. And we've talked about that before on this podcast uh, about, you know, if a team can kind of pull off that that closing sort of dynamic with a pitcher. and um. You know, I I didn't watching the video um, didn't necessarily agree with the decision, like I said. But now hearing your insight on it, like I I, I uh, give a little bit more like respect or like understand a lot more where you're coming from is in terms of like why you made that decision. Yeah, and I think it's also just a huge um, amount of respect to Jordan because like I think like even looking back on it in the moment, I think if it was any other hitter, I think I probably just would have. Let- brendan you know role mm-hmm. but like we also know brendan brendan's uh he plays a lot of east coast wiffle ball so i think he's even played against roglace and so it was just like jordan up there he seemed like he was kind of getting comfortable in the box i mean you, tom, i don't i don't think you were there jack but tom the swings jordan was taking was like the hardest i've ever seen someone swing wiffle bat like if I mean, connected- there's a reason that the guys coming from new york to play in our league you know what i mean and um i think just about every, any question mark about him not being able to adjust was pretty much eliminated within those first few innings. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I think like that plays a big part into it too. Like we, we just thought like we know what Jordan can do and not necessarily that um, Brendan couldn't get him out. It's just like he'd already seen Brendan, I think like five or so times that game already. Mm-hmm. When you see a pitcher that many times, it just, you know, you start to get a, you start to get a good look on him. So you know, that was kind of the basis. No, I, of- I'll just have one final comment. You know, I did say too, and I think you and Brendan might both feel this way as well. Um, obviously the outcome of the game would have been different had Barron stayed in, but from my perspective, I, I'm not certain we still wouldn't have won that game. You know what I mean? As you said, he was seeing Barron better. I was seeing Barron better. Um, and if you, I've, you know, I faced you before when you're on and you're accurate, your movement was still good. You're, you're a tough pitcher to hit. So it's, <laughs> It's it's a it's a calculated risk and sometimes it doesn't pay off. I've I've been on both sides of it, so um, uh, I don't wish anything bad upon you or the Cobras, but um, I know the fans have probably been pretty hard on you, and I I hope that they uh can see it from your perspective and can see 
what the possibilities were when making that move. And um, I think it's just a learning experience for everybody, you included. Um, so We got to see what Sawyer can do, which also helped. I mean, he was dominant when he came in. So that was like, it's a perfect scenario for him. No pressure on him anymore. So um, it's good for him. I think the thing I just have to emphasize is like, I think the thing that kind of got to me afterwards was, you know, like, like I said, I'm fine when people criticize my play and stuff like that. Like it's definitely warranted when you play like that. Um, I think what just gets me is, you know, you got fans trying to, you know, say, Oh, Brendan probably, you know, Brendan probably is going to pissed at Drew that he did this, you know, Drew just wants to be a hero. Like he has such a big ego and like, I feel like I can't stress enough that it wasn't because I wanted to be a hero. It just made at the time in our heads as a team, it made sense for us. So, you know, it's easy to say in hindsight, it was a bad call. <laughs> yeah. Dan, you got anything for Drew? Uh, yeah, I was going to ask Drew, um, you know, Sawyer and Brendan definitely pitched well, but you know, you're still, you know, you're the ace. Uh, you've been the ace over the past few years. So I'm just curious who you see pitching uh, mainly taking the workload in the future. Um, yeah, I think like as of our plan right now, Brendan's probably going forward going to be like the ace of the team, like probably gonna, as it looks like right now, might like might end the season with the most innings. Um, I was kind of reading through the comments and one of them made sense. And one of them said like, maybe Sawyer fits that closing role because he does that gnarly drop. And like we were talking about before, like he like, that's definitely his best pitch and he threw it a lot. And if you pitch like a, like you pitch three innings, you might start to see that after three innings, but someone was saying, you know, he might be perfect for that closer role because he has such a dirty drop and he has pretty good control with it. So if he just goes in for one inning, shuts everybody down, like, instead of them seeing him for three full innings in a row, that yeah. could be a position that he solidified himself as now. Um, I think I'm definitely going to, you know, try and get back out there. Uh, I'd like to get some bullpens in before, um, you know, there's still that arm stuff that's been there for a few years now, but I was able to fight through it in years prior. So yeah, I just got to figure out, like Tommy said, a lot's changed. I've, you know, put on some weight from the gym. So, you know, maybe it's just, you know, getting in touch with how my body moves again, getting in touch with how, how to throw strikes. I think it's just something, it's a feel thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a tough game. Yeah. Shout out to Sawyer. What a performance. Um, I think uh, that was definitely the, a bright spot in that third inning. And um, he also, you know, he pitched solid in game two, I thought for a, a rookie um, who had some question marks coming in. I thought he was solid. I, I reviewed some of his, his film and stuff like that, but um, it's always good to see a, a pretty seamless transition into MLW, especially from the pitching perspective, because it's not easy. So, um, shout out to that kid. And, uh, he must yeah. have been he must have been watching some of Drew's film because I think Sawyer's got the old uh, strikeout sort of fist bump celebration <laughs> thing like going on that Drew does, sort of fist pump thing. Um, that was pretty funny, but I, he, I, his I, his drop was really impressive. Ton of movement. Yeah, a ton yeah. of movement. Yeah, I was insane. I was I was watching, kind of like joking with the guys. I was like, man, I used to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah, that 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 was like what I thought when I saw it. I was like, oh, that I've seen that before. Like it hasn't been a while, but I've seen it. I've seen that pitch. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a couple of years, huh? It's been a little bit, <laughs> but I've seen it. All right. Um, before you know the end, I was gonna say we, you know, you asked a lot of questions about the Cobras, but. You know, props to you guys, like your team and stuff like that, capitalizing when you make mistakes. But also, you guys just played a really solid series overall. Like, your guys' pitching was awesome, and you and Jordan were getting on base at a high clip. And so that's very commendable. 
Yeah, thank you. I I don't think the I think the Cobras are a solid squad. I uh I wouldn't count the Cobras out just yet. I wouldn't count any of the eight teams out just yet. We're gonna get into that after uh after this interview with you here. But um yeah, Cobras uh like I said, I think game one was a learning experience. You bounce back, you battle hard in game two, you get the win in game three, courtesy of the Sean Flynn walk off, so that was awesome. And um you guys are developing like a good core, which I like, to kinda on a solid ending note here. Um I think the Cobras are kind of a couple of years ago. I used to kind of give you a hard time about it. And now my team has turned into this. We're like, there's a lot of guys coming through the organization, and it was like, who's gonna stick type thing. But now we're getting pretty familiar with the Cobras roster. You know, you've been around forever now. Um, Andy's been around for quite some time. Sean Flynn has developed into a great hitter who gets on base. And now I, I think Sawyer and Barron, your last two picks, are both um, you know, good picks. They both look dedicated, solid players. So I, I kind of like this this Cobras team that's that's uh, developed here and kind of emerge from the dust after these last few seasons and you know who else texted me the other day who big brennan schultz oh he's probably itching to get back out there wow. he, he's saying he might be back in michigan during one of our series and so he said oh, yeah he asked me is, is there room for him in the lineup and i said we can get you in there again <laughs> that's sweet so uh yeah all right drew well i'm glad we uh i'm glad we cleared the air there i think it's good for the fans to hear and i, I hope they listen and uh uh, not to be like my own plug, but you guys talked about Sean's walk-off homer, and I was actually mic'd up. I had mic'd myself. I had mic'd myself up for that. So if you guys want to see kind of what went through my crazy head when that happened, uh, I <laughs> just made a Patreon video about it. So yeah, Raven Davis, shout out to Raven Davis. Head over to Patreon, the MLW Patreon. Our link, the link to that is on our Instagram. Head over to MLW underscore Wiffle. We just posted about all of our additional. Uh, additional content we post outside of YouTube. So check out Drew's Patreon show, Raven Davis. I think he posts every Monday. Is that correct? Correct. All right, cool. All right, Drew, we'll enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day, and uh, we'll talk soon. Jack, I'll see you in a few weeks. See you, brother. All right, thanks to Drew for that. We will now pause for a brief ad read once again about the Apex Wiffle Ball League. Commissioner Anthony Parada, a.k.a. AP, continues to out-hustle, out-work, out-play, and out-last going into the second Apex Wiffle Ball summer season. After a short winter season, the league will consist of eight teams who all bring elite defense, phenomenal pitching, and of course, lots of dingers. To watch the Summers League, go subscribe to the YouTube channel, Apex Wiffleball, and check out their Instagram, ApexWiffleball underscore league. Shout out once again to Anthony and the Apex Wiffleball League. Thank you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, thank you once again to Drew for that interview. Um, I really wanted to highlight Game 1 there, as that was kind of the, the talk of this series. And outside of Robles' play, I think Game 1 was kind of um, really the main discussion point in the comment section. So um, aside from that, I want to say just briefly, great showing from Robles. Um, we'd love to hear from him soon on his performance. But I'm happy with it. I think we can't get too excited yet. we got to keep working, keep at it. And if you're a Cobras fan, I wouldn't be too concerned either. Um, you know, we didn't see a single series sweep in the entire first slate of games. So... Um, a lot of teams, half the teams in the league are one and two right now, including the Cobras. So there's work to be done everywhere. And for those two and one teams, uh, definitely can't get too comfortable because everyone's still on your tail. But now that all eight teams have played a series, I wanted to, alongside Jack and Daniel, kind of give each team in the league a grade. Uh, we've seen three games now from each squad. 
We know who they drafted. We kind of know a little bit about those draft picks somewhat for most teams. And um, we saw whether improvements were made or whether uh, teams are uh, struggling a bit. So we'll start with the American League. I will lead us off, guys. The first team I wanted to talk about is, coincidentally, the Cobras. So they lost the series to the Mallards. Um, I'm going to give the Cobras a B-. Maybe people think that's generous after that Drew move. Maybe people think it's too harsh. But the reason I got them in the B range is because, you know, that series was still very winnable. They could have closed out in one game one. Um, game two, unfortunately, got blown out of proportion a little bit because the home run they gave up was a grand slam. But I think it's very important to note that Baranowski looked solid on the mound. Um, he was good in game one. Game two, he held the Mallards to two runs and, um, you know, beat the Mallards in four innings. So good innings from Baron. Sawyer Bean, what a draft pick. He's been phenomenal. Um, the Cobras can clearly hit the ball. They were seeing Robles pretty well. Drew hit a ball extremely hard. Sean Flynn was spraying the field in Game 3. So I think the Cobras are a team who are kind of in the middle of the pack right now, in my opinion. What do you guys think? Dan? All you, Jack. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I I actually gave the Cobras a B+. Plus. Um, wow. I thought that, um, you know, even though, even though Game 1 didn't go their way and the execution wasn't there for... For Drew on the mound I thought Sawyer was really impressive and like I like we mentioned before I thought Barron was really impressive and you can kind of see this picture of the Cobras where um, Drew doesn't even really have to pitch and doesn't have to really even worry about that and they have really good bats on their team Sean Flynn's a great bat Drew Davis is a really good bat um, so I, I you know obviously the outcome wasn't fantastic in in the first series for them um, but I, I wouldn't be really worried. And I, I think there's there's still so little separation between like the top and the bottom teams in this league. Like the scale can only go so far. So I have the Cobras with a B plus. OK, I yeah, I would say I actually gave the Cobras a C. So definitely at the Ooh. lower end of the spectrum. Okay. But Dan's a tough grader. Yeah, I mean, just for the sheer reason of I thought they were just too inconsistent. Um, you really don't know what you're going to get with the Cobras. I. I don't want to say I don't have trust in them in the long run, but I just out of the, all the AL teams, it seems like they're the odd man out right now. I mean, in this league, it's all tough competition. So, um, but I will say I did really like what I saw from Baranowski, and I thought they all hit well. But I don't know. It's just I, I just think they're they're going to be the odd team out this year. Okay, it's still early, only three games in the season. So after each slate, we'll have to revisit this and kind of say for each of us, you know, who has moved the most on our on our grading scale. But moving on to the Magic, um, contrary to what Dan said, I think the Magic, in my opinion, were the flattest team in the American League. I gave the Magic a C+. They fought hard against the Eagles. Every single one of those games was decided by a walk-off. Um, really, the big red flag for me is this, and I kind of touched on this in the offseason. Um, their two pitchers, Chadwick and Bonham, both pitched great. Low-scoring games all across the board. Um, I think game two was 0-0 going into, like, what, the fifth or sixth inning? Fifth inning? So they pitched great. However, Trevor's stuff is not that dynamic yet. It could evolve. Jason's stuff was pretty good. But for guys who I think are going to get scored off of at some point this year, the bats have just got to get going. There wasn't one bat in that lineup who I thought was going to put a ball out of the park that day, and they didn't. The one game they won, they won on a walk-off walk. So... I don't know. It reminded me a lot of my Mallards teams in the past couple of years when we were, you know, good enough at pitching. It was more than serviceable, solid arms. But when the bats aren't there, it's just when you're down just one or two runs, it's just really an uphill battle. 
So I think unless the magic can spark the offense and get some momentum going, and Jack, that's where it's going to hurt if you're not here. You know what I mean? Because you were sometimes that spark plug you guys needed. So I really think that they need to get the bats going or else it's going to be a long season for these guys. So I got, I got them at a C plus. The reason that they're not lower is because of the pitching was so good. Okay. Well, fair. I appreciate you being honest. I actually clearly have a little bit of bias, but I, <laughs> I graded the magic the same as the Cobras. I felt like they okay. both were like in their first series teams that could have done better, uh, could have done a lot worse. Um, I think that like as a, the manager of the magic, um, it's always been our pitching that like has let us down, like not always, but it was always trying to get that like second arm in there or, you know, just a few more outs to like pull it out. And, and, um, now we have a bullpen and a bullpen that I'm confident in, you know, you were, you talk about how like Trevor stuff isn't like super nasty or whatever, but we've seen that you know, through Trevor and also also through guys like Nick Saylor, like that can still get the job done. Well, I've, I've, I've stood behind Trevor and I've watched him shut out teams for innings on end. It's, it's wild. Yeah. So, um, I think the bats will come around. Hopefully I'm able to be at the next series to kind of be a little spark plug for the guys. But, um, I think the, I think the bats will come around. I, I know our guys can hit, um, we got a home run derby champion in the in the lineup so mm-hmm. you know our guys can spray it over the yard and i think that'll come around so i got them i got the magic as a b plus as well all right how about you dan yeah i was gonna say after you know just facing the magic i feel like i had a pretty good read on them as a team and i actually feel pretty confident about the magic i graded them at a b minus okay uh, so similar to what tommy said you know i thought they had very good pitching you know bonham and chadwick were very accurate on the mound it's just the bats. They got to get the bats going. Funny enough, Tommy said they remind him of his mallards. I kind of think of them as the Eagles last year, you know, just great pitching, um, but just could not get the timely hits needed. So I think it's going to be a battle for the two seed in the AL, but I got the magic at a B minus. Okay. All right. The next team I have on the list is the Wildcats. Jack, why don't you go first with these guys? Wildcats. Well, I mean, I can spoil my one for the Diamondbacks, too, but I feel like these teams are just too um, similar and they're kind of like in a tier of of their own, really above the rest of the league. Like it's not by a lot, but it's definitely there. Um, so I have the Wildcats at an A. I mean, the statistically, their their pitching is phenomenal. They're one of the hardest lineups to pitch to um, with obviously Kyle Schultz, Nick Saylor. Jackson Pearson, like these guys, they're, they're, you know, they're just in a, a completely different category um, than everyone else. And I think that comes from the experience of Kyle Schultz, obviously, and just his leadership and stuff and the talent that they have. Dan. Yeah. I, I don't think I need to say much about the Wildcats. I have them at an A right now. They're the best team in the league, in my opinion, uh, Kyle and Nick, and especially with Jackson heating up, they're the most feared lineup in the game right now and sailor you know doing well on the mound and kyle you know always been good on the mound so you know they're they're the team to be right now mm-hmm. yep i'm we're gonna be like a broken record here but i got the wildcats add an a as well so undisputed a unanimous um i think key points here were that they nearly swept the d-backs um casey bennett had to walk off and the d-backs had just won the world series um kyle and nick are arguably the best two players in this league right now um both in that lineup Jackson Pearson really shined, looked phenomenal. He looks comfortable up there right now. He had, 
I don't know if he went yard at all, but he had a lot of hits and a lot of hits in clutch situations, a lot of RBI singles and whatnot. So, um, and I'm also really high on their draft pick still, Ty Smith. So we'll see what he contributes this year. But uh, yeah, I got the Wildcats as the as the World Series front runner right now. Got them at an A, and I think that they are the uh, team to beat. And I said I said that preseason too. So uh, we'll see how their year progresses. And the last team in the American League is the Predators. Dan, what'd you have for them? So for the Predators, I had a B. I was really impressed with their hitting, obviously, with Russell. Hopefully he can keep it up, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, I don't know if it'll be sustainable or not, but, uh, you know, I think this team will really, it'll really depend on how well Cratch and McGlade pitch. And like I've said before, I'm curious to see who gets the main workload there with pitching, but uh, yeah, I'd say B. I would say them, I would put them probably in the middle of the pack. Um, but yeah, I think good things for the Preds, probably a two or three seed in the AL. Okay. For the Preds, I had a B plus, so pretty similar. Um, key points for me is that uh, they hit the ball incredibly well. Arguably the best out of any team in their first series. Um, Russell, Cratch, Warda, all going yard. Um, they pitched quite well. They gave up a lot of runs in their last game, unfortunately. But overall, the pitching was solid from both Cratch and McGlade. And uh, just the team chemistry. That seemed like they had the best chemistry out of anybody this series. Um, the reason I don't have them at the A range, I would say, is because I know the Preds. And I know these guys, and I know Russell always comes out hot, and the Preds always seem to come out firing. But they did miss the postseason last year, and I'd be curious to see how sustainable this offense is. So just because of prior knowledge, not based on not only what I saw, I got the Predators at a B plus. So, solid. Yeah. I had the same uh, the same rating, Tom. I would say it, uh, although it looks the same, it's a little bit stronger of a B plus on paper than the Magic and the Cobras B plus. But okay. I agree with you. Just the uh, I don't know if the Preds uh, offense is sustainable. You know what they produced in the first series. We'll see. Um, time will tell. I mean, I, you know, we all know what they're capable of, but I think their bullpen looks sharp. It'll just be a question of whether or not they can sustain that hitting. So I got him at a B plus two. All right. Moving over to the NL. Overall, the American League is strong. Um, in my opinion, the NL is still stronger. I think that's a better division, in my opinion. Um, we'll start with the Diamondbacks. and I got them at an A minus. So a, a touch below, below the Wildcats. Um, Diamondbacks are a good team. We know they have great chemistry. Uh, when they won the World Series last year, they won every series they played last year. But um, they did almost get swept. So that's kind of... You know, that'll make you think a little bit. Um, I thought Jimmy pitched all right. Jonah pitched all right. But to their defense, the Wildcats have seen them a lot in the last, you know, couple series in this league. So that may have been a factor. But I got them at an A- minus just because of their um, you know, inability to win a couple more games. Um, this squad, I anticipate being, you know, right in the mix towards the end of the year. I do anticipate them making the playoffs again. So uh, we'll see. Their next series, I believe, is against the Mallards. So that'll be an interesting one. But I got them at an A-. Yeah, I hope you know who you're playing next time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't remember what the order was. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, I can jump in next. I Tommy, I think you're right on the money with the D-backs at an A-. I'm not going to add too much because I thought that was perfect analysis. But, I, yeah, I will say the NL is, you know, the best division in my opinion. And the super, you know, there's a lot of, tough competition so i think being down one and two that puts them at a disadvantage uh so i see them coming as a you know a, probably a two seed in the nl in my opinion I've, i'm obviously biased with the eagles but uh you know in my opinion besides jimmy i'm just looking at their depth uh and i i just i don't know if it's there anymore i i don't know if uh you know i, I like 
I think teams can pitch around Jimmy and we'll see if, you know, they can sustain this success. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just had him at an A, so a little bit higher than you guys, but um, mm-hmm. same as the Wildcats. I mean, to be honest, like that first series, yeah, it was it was favored, you know, favoring the Wildcats, but it's really the same team that the Diamondbacks had from last year, minus Ben Wilson. So we really know what they're capable of. I think, you know, they didn't have Shima in that first game, which I think I did play a little bit of a you know chemistry factor between the guys but they have two young studs um and i think they'll i think they still deserve an a rating uh regardless of that the, the outcome of the first series no i mean they lost the series like i said and that's kind of why i gave and i gave them an a minus but i do think they played the best team in the league right now so take that as you will um moving on to the eagles i got the eagles at a b plus um i think the eagles had a great series they won the series via two walk-offs and what really shined for me for them was just the, the timely hits. So important in wiffle ball. They were down in that first game, one nothing heading into the third. And a couple big knocks from Walker and your guidance to get them the win there. Huge. And then game two, unfortunately, they weren't able to get on the board. Game three, they go and do it tied into the third, into the fourth then, and Blade Walker gets the home run. So I love what I saw to Blade Walker. It is a bummer. He'll be out for the rest of the year, most likely because of the labor injury and surgery. Um, if he was in the rest of the season, I may have put them at the A minus category with the Diamondbacks, but I think that's a big loss for them. And um, really, just need to get the bats going again. They did score some runs, and they got production from guys other than Daniel, which is huge. We don't usually see that from the Eagles, and your guy just looked amazing. But uh, just need to score more runs, get a few more balls out of the ballpark, and I think this team will uh, be right there at the end of the year. So I'll let, I'll let Dan go last, but I think I I guess I was just being a little bit too nice compared to your guys' stuff. I was giving Fair. everyone a little bit bump up just because I have so much respect for the league. But yeah, exactly. uh, I have the Eagles at an A minus. I was uh, really I was imp- I was really impressed um, after our first series. You know, I thought it was less of the Magic playing poorly and more just that the Eagles were playing very well. Um, and you know, Dan is Dan. We've talked about his pitching ability. Dallas is developing into a star in this league, um, both on the mound and at the plate. So I really, I really like what you've done with the squad, Dan. Um, I think you guys have a good shot this season. Um, so yeah, I, I give you guys an A minus. Thank you, Jack. I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I had the Eagles at an A minus as well. Obviously, we have some things you know to improve upon, mainly hitting. But I thought after that first series and. You know, I won't talk about the second series, but uh, I think we have all the tools, you know, to win the division. Truly, I believe that. And I think the Eagles D-back series is going to, you know, determine that fate for our season. But uh, just really happy with um, what I've seen out of my guys so far. And I think the hitting over the ser- over the year um, will come. You know, we had a lot of base runners, especially in that Magic season. They just didn't all come in. So I think with timely hits, uh, those runs will start to fall. Okay, I love the confidence I've seen from Dan this year, both um, before that series against the Magic, post-game against the Magic, as well as pre-game against the Gators. Dan's shown a lot of confidence in his guys, which I, which I love to see as, as, another, as a fellow captain in this league. So, moving on to the Gators, um, this was the lowest grade I gave. I'll lead this one off. I gave the Gators a C, so just a touch below the Magic. And um, the reason I have them below the Magic is because just the pitching, the amount the amount of runs that they gave up and the amount of home runs that were hit off of them. I know we're saying the Preds were so good, the Preds were so good, and I 
hats off to them for hitting them. But whereas the Magic are keeping themselves in ball games right now because they're pitching a solid and they just need to hit the ball a little bit more, um, it's really tough to win games when you're giving up, you know, two, three home runs a game. Uh, so I think the Gators, I think Cheatham and Jordy need to get back in the lab, dial it back in, get the stuff moving a little bit more, locating a little better, and um, give themselves a chance. You know what I mean? They did win game three, which is huge, just in terms of you don't want to start the season 0-3 when everyone else is 1-2 and or 2-1. and So the fact that they got the one is good. But that game got interesting at the end. The Predators nearly came back on them. So it sucks because the Gators, it's hard to, you, you forget about things as the season moves on. But the, the Gators were one pitch away from winning the first game too. They almost won that series. But once again, the home run ball, Russell. So, I mean, they didn't close. It's, it's part of wiffle ball is finding a way to win. And they, they failed to. So uh, I got the Gators at a C. Yeah, it, it uh, this was my lowest one, too. And it really it hurts because, first of all, I love all the guys on the on the Gators team. Um, but also just because I actually was very high on the Gators um, as a team, but like they're pitching specifically before the season started. If you guys listen to the episodes like you would know that. Um, so this was tough for me. I mean, they just I I really I had them at a B plus, but I kind of moved them to a B minus just because of it, it was that lack of like energy that we talked about. And like, it was, it was a tough, it was a tough outing for Jorgensen. You hate to see it. Um, I think he'll bounce back, but I still just think overall, um, I don't know. I, I couldn't give him couldn't give him really higher than a B minus, maybe a B they could deserve, but um, that's yeah. I kind of the same points as you, Tom. Yeah, I also put the Gators, my lowest score, at a C-, minus, so not great. Uh, similar, similarly to the Cobras in the AL, I think the Gators are the odd team out in the NL. Uh, you know, I just didn't think the pitching, it just wasn't, you know, what it used to be. I think guys are starting to get around on Cheatham and Jorgi. So I'm also really curious to see how Reese, you know, develops and how much playing time he actually gets. Because yeah. I think he, you know, I think they need to add something to their Zerlag, Cheatham, and Jorgi core. So we'll see if he can develop into a nice player. But I think they're the odd team out right now in the NL. Yeah, I, I, I gave him a C, um, but I'm, I'm still high on the Gators. Like, I try to be unbiased. I, like, because they're so good when I play them, I still think they're one of the best teams in the National League. So their their next series against the Eagles will be very telling. I'm curious to see um, what they do. Spoiler alert, pregame, in, pregame intro, you'll see that I... I uh, I don't know if made it into the video or not, but I, I predicted a Gator sweep actually against the Eagles. That was that was my prediction. So we'll we'll uh, we'll see. Sorry, Dan. Hey, hate to say that. Um, all right, moving on to the eighth and final team, the Midwest Mallards, my squad. Uh, I'll let Dan kick this one off. Yeah. So with the Mallards, uh, I was pleasantly surprised with the Mallards. You know, uh, I put them at as a B minus, and really, it all just depended on Robles, how fast. You know, he could adapt to the, you know, MLW rules was crucial to the Mallard's success. And we saw how quickly he put it into gear. It was, you know, truly amazing. So I think with the Mallards, it's just a, it, it really, it's just about their depth. Um, I still have questions. No disrespect, Tom, over uh, the secondary pitcher arm. We'll see if Caden can uh, fill that in the second. Actually, I, I thought you did well, though, Tom. You gave your team uh, you know, a chance to win. Uh I, I still have the Mallards at a B minus, probably coming in as the three seed in the NL. Okay, Jack. Yeah, um, I have the Mallards at a B plus. I think uh, you know Robles already has talked about instantly, kind of takes you guys to that next level. 
um you know great momentum after the first series turn turning around from last year um i think still like if we're just men talking here tom the the question mark would be like the second arm for the mallards still because i think Mm -hmm. um you would even admit like you kind of you kind of um like you worked your way through that game for sure, but it could have been prettier. You know what I'm saying? It was a grind. Um, it, was a grind. it was a grind. I could tell you were grinding <laughs> out there for sure in the video. So I think that's the only reason I wouldn't have the Mallards higher because, you know, Robles can obviously hit you, you know, with the grand slam, you know, we know you can spray it righty. Um, so I think you guys got the bats now. I, I think it's just kind of that, that uh, second piece in the bullpen really. So B plus. That's fair. I got the Mallards checking in at B as well. So similar to Daniel, that's the three spot in the NL for me and right about the middle in the pack in the league as a whole. Um, loved what we saw from Robles. I think he showed that he can do it on the mound. He can for sure do it with the bat. I think he's a top five hitter in the league um, just based on what I saw already. Um, for me, a couple things is, yeah, the number two pitcher, if I'm speaking unbiased, yeah, you could tell that I really sh- was struggling out there despite only giving up two runs. Those it was were some gritty innings. And uh, I'll give a funny story here. I talk about a lot in this podcast, I think, about confidence and what role that plays in sports, especially baseball, even like defensively making errors, pitching, that kind of stuff. Um, and while I knew like I could take a deep breath and, and get through things, you know, walking off the field there in the bottom of the third when I got out of that, when it was bases loaded one out with a tie game, I was kind of like, wow, okay, extra innings. Like, <laughs> I, was, I was not positive that game was going to see the fourth inning, but I was, I was proud of myself. I was. And I, I have put in the time, and I, I think what I was telling Jordan, too, and I was like, I know, dude, it was like, we were driving back to the airport. I was like, I know it was rough, and I was like, but trust me, like, that was leaps and bounds better than last year. M- much different style. Like, if I'm speaking about myself now, like, I kind of, I'm kind, I'm sort of, like, mimicking my game more off of Sailor. Like, as a number two pitcher, when you categorize yourself as number two, it's much different. Like, you can approach the hitters way differently. You're just chasing nine outs. That's it. So I really kind of, I'm changing my velocity focusing on location, just having a couple pitches and um, just trying to attack hitters. So um, the ball bounced my way a couple times, and I was able to put put us in a position to where we, we could have won that game, but it could for sure be prettier. I also want to comment on um, the lineup for the Mallards, and I heard this from a lot of guys around the league too, is that I think it's clear that Robles, comfortable hitter. Um, myself, I, I would consider myself the second best hitter on the team. I think I'm comfortable out there. I can get on base a lot. Um, but I'm really, speaking candidly here, I'm really looking for a third guy to stand out. Um, I got Davenport, Wilson, and Caden Irwin. I really need one of those guys to be, you know, um, more of more of a leader and really take on that number three spot in the, in the batting lineup. So uh, that's where we're at. And uh, I got us at a B. So that wraps it up for me. I think um, speaking as a whole here, I got the Wildcats on top. I got the Diamondbacks short, closely behind them. And then I had the Gators, uh, Gators in the caboose. So, um but like Jack said, and I think Jack reflected this more in his ratings, where I was trying to like spread the table more. Um, I told both these guys that we could do A through D. Notice how no one did D. We all know that all these teams are good. There was not a single sweep in this first slate of games, which has I don't think has ever happened before. So uh, this is going to be a cr- crazy, crazy season. Um, every single game counts. I'm really trying to stress that to my guys, and uh, I'm just I'm genuinely excited. Like as as a fan, I always say I have three roles in the league, which is like. You know, partially running the league, playing in the league, and then just I'm a fan of the league. And as a fan of the league, like I've I've never been more excited for a season to pan out because I don't know, I don't even have a clue. Besides the Wildcats, I guess I do have I do have a clue who will win. I shouldn't say I don't have a clue, 
But in terms of like who's missing the playoffs, I have no idea. You know what I mean? I know I had to give ratings, I had to give grades, and put someone at the bottom. But man, oh man, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. crazy. A lot of talent. A lot of talent. It's any anyone's ball game for sure. I think that's what these ratings should tell you for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly. And you know, not only that, but just anybody's ball game, the league, the talent is growing. Just the, the events are growing. We have some cool stuff coming up that I wanted to kind of mix in here at the end. Um, of course, we have the Toledo series coming up at Fifth Third Field. If you guys haven't heard about that, we've already posted a lot of information on our Instagram, MLW underscore Wiffle. We will be in Toledo playing Wildcats versus Predators June 12th, so I hope to see a ton of you guys there. Tickets are available online. The link you can find on our Instagram and at MLWWiffleBall.com. Um, and something we haven't touched on, on this podcast too much yet is the Vermont series, the, the mini MLB series, which is a private event, but it's going to be insane. Um, I'm really excited for that. Um, so if you guys aren't aware, there's a facility in Vermont that has three MLB-style replica fields. There's Fenway replica, a Wrigley replica, and then the Field of Dreams. Three wiffle ball fields, both so professional, amazing quality fields, and they're owned and managed by a nonprofit organization, Slam T1D, um, who support type 1 diabetes. So this will be an event kind of with them, and it'll be a bit of a charity event. We're hoping to raise some money for the organization but it's going to be just so exciting, and I cannot wait. Like It's just like the Oklahoma series last year. How cool that was to play at a new venue and to just experience a new environment and to let our guys, who are so talented, play on a field of that caliber. It's just going to be it's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that event. So a lot of cool things planned for the future, um, and as that event gets closer, the one in Vermont, um, we'll, we'll touch on it more and give more details, but it's going to be Cobras versus D-backs. So I'm, just, I'm so excited for that one. But that's about a wrap for me. I don't got much else. I hope you guys like the sound of this. It, it's a little different because right now I'm actually up north. Dan's in Brighton, Michigan, and then Jack is across the country. So we're in three different spots right now talking over Zoom. Usually it'll be me and Dan in the same location and then Jack over Zoom. So and I have some still things to work out, but the new microphone, I think it's it's pretty dope. So uh, I'm excited to uh, continue to use this thing. Sound crisp over here, Tom. Can't wait to hear it. <laughs> oh, I right, guys, we got to wrap this up. I am sweating so bad let's wrap it up <laughs> for those for, for those of you who don't know so yeah i'm up north and there's no ac in this house uh, it's, cur- it's currently not it's currently 90 outside but so i could just open the windows blast the fans but for a podcast that's not really ideal sound so i had to i locked myself in this room shut every window every door and i'm literally there's not a better time to word use the word moist to describe yourself because i am so moist right now i'm literally going to save this Hop in the shower and then edit because I'm disgusting and I haven't showered today yet. So I, on that note, I got to wrap this up, fellas. But it's been a pleasure. Episode 100 next week, guys. I have some cool stuff planned. Um, I don't want to give away too much, but let's just say we're going to pay some homage to the roots of MLW in a couple different ways, as well as talking about the series Eagles versus Gators. So I hope to see a ton of you guys there. It's uh, It's been a journey. It's been a journey for sure, and we continue to upgrade. We continue to improve. We're always improving. And... uh. Until next time, Jack, Daniel, pleasure as always. See you guys next week.